Let's do it. Lewis Alexander and Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got all our lines wide open. Give us a call. Go ahead and put you up at the top of the list. That's right. I believe all the phone lines are working today. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that necessarily. <laughs> say, if you can't get through, just keep trying. That's right. That's right. Just in case you can't call in or you don't care to call in or something occurs to you during the week, you can always go to the website. That's right. The address is www.agco auto.com a g c o a u t o easy way to remember that's altazan's garage company there's a contact bar on every page you can send lewis an email any time of the day or night and he'll mm -hmm. get it back to you usually within 24 hours if you hadn't heard anything in 24 hours resend it check the return address because there's no emails that go by that don't get returned well that's right answered every single night i go home and i sit there and answer every email that comes in i never ever ignore an email so if you hadn't got a reply from me either be sure that you do send it through the website because Correct. if you have an old email address for me or you have an old form that you'd send in that you just go back and try to reply to it's not gonna get through to me right we got a special program that weeds everything out because we were getting a whole lot of spam. That's correct. So if you go to the website, use the form there, you're guaranteed to get through. And while you're on there, you pop around, you can look at the vehicle questions. There's 950 of those. Oh, those just keep adding up, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I'd go in and i add them. Every time I get a call or a email that I think is interesting or makes an interesting point, I try to add it to it so that we'll have it. That's why other people can kind of benefit from it. And that's going to be a short, direct, to-the-point type of a thing. Correct. But there's also the detailed topic section in there. Which is a more in-depth article on a certain topic. Say you're looking for coolant. There's a whole article in there on coolant, probably more than you'll ever want to know about it. <laughs> but, with, uh, with photographs and descriptions and charts and graphs and everything you're going to ever want to know about the topic. Put one in there this morning on battery corrosion, and almost everyone has seen battery corroded terminals. Correct. And they know what that is. But not most people know that battery corrosion doesn't necessarily stop at the terminal. That acid can actually run down and eat the body of the car away. Correct. It, it'll go, it'll run down the side of the battery and get on the tray. Mm -hmm. Most of the trays are metal, though some are plastic. Mm -hmm. But they will, the leak is bad enough, it'll pull up into plastic and mm -hmm. run over. That's right. And when it runs over, it gets on the body of the car. Well, that's right. And, and they've had that problem ever since they started putting batteries in cars. Well, pretty much. And <laughs> we've got some photographs in there of a little, I think it was an Infinity that came in. Yeah, Toyota. Yeah, extensive, extensive damage where it actually ate through part of the unibody structure of the car. We had to repair it. So pop on there, see that. It may save you a whole bunch of money. That's particularly a problem with cheap batteries. You might think you're saving $30 on a battery. Correct. But you can end up with a $3,000 repair bill. Let it get on an air conditioning line, and boy, you've got major things. because Those are aluminum, and it just doesn't take but a second to eat through one. That's right. Get through your wiring harness and so on and so forth. So tons and tons of good information. Pop on air, see what you think. www.agcoauto.com. Of course, you can vote for your favorite automotive idol. Right. When is the finale coming we up? We don't know. When we get enough votes. When we get enough votes. Okay. <laughs> so, Keep voting. That's right. Hey, pop on there and vote for your favorite automotive idol. Hey, we're going to go to our phone lines. We've got William online. Good morning, William. Uh, yes, sir. I have a, a 96 Oldsmobile Cutlass. Okay. 3.1. Yes, sir. And I have that 1370. I believe we lost him. Uh-oh. I'm sorry. Uh, William, why don't you call right back? We'll see if we can get you back online. Let's see if we can go back. We have got Steve. Good morning, Steve. Hey. Good morning. Yes, sir. I got a 2000 Ford 
LTD, I think it is a big car. I forgot okay. what it is. It's not yes. mine. It's along with one of my kinfolk. Well, probably a Crown Vic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, when you uh, turn the wipers off, uh -huh. they, keep, they keep stay running. up instead of down. Yeah, no, they yeah. stay up instead of down. They yeah. stop, but they up. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. They don't park. They stop on the windshield. Right. right. Instead right. of down where they're supposed to. There's two things that cause that. That's a relatively common problem on those cars, Steve. One is the switch in the dash can go bad, and it doesn't keep keep a lot of power on the motor the other one is the motor itself can go bad the way that works it's got a assembly inside the motor called a park cam and it turns around so it knows where down is when you turn the switch off power bypasses the switch and keeps power on it until the park cam breaks it uh -huh. so if the switch is bad it's not supplying power to the motor it won't park or if the motor is bad it also won't park so both of them give you the same symptoms it probably would be cheapest to bring it to someone, let them test it, and tell you which one it is because both of those parts are relatively expensive and relatively hard to change. Hmm. So it's not something you want to start throwing parts at. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right. You're thank welcome. you, sir. Bye-bye. You want to be part of the automotive hour? We would love to have you. And we're going back to the lines with Al. Good morning, Al. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have 95 Cadillac. Okay. And the other morning I noticed that my interior lights wouldn't turn off. Okay. So I assumed it was a bad switch. Not necessarily. Well, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> so I pulled a fuse uh -huh. to my interior light. Okay. Went out to you this morning, that battery's dead. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Does this say it's not the switch? or? Well, it's not going to be a switch, Al. That one doesn't use switches. It's got sensors in the doors that send a message to the body control module, which grounds a relay, which turns the lights on. Now, the fact that the lights are on is not the problem. That's a symptom of the problem. Okay. The problem is the body control module staying awake for some reason, and there's probably 10,000 different things that can make that happen, but it's going to run your battery dead because the BCM is on. It's going to also keep the PCM and it's the TCM all the, and ABS all the rest of the and all computers all alive. awake, and right. it's going to run your battery dead real fast. So, okay. And that's something you're going to take to a professional with the correct tooling right? to, right. to diagnose the, the right professional because you get to a jughead and he'll waste a whole bunch of time and money and still yeah. won't get close to that problem. Well, okay, you ought to run through the complete alphabet there, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have to give you a call. And All I'll, righty, Al. I'll see you. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Thank sir. you, Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got David Spin patiently holding. Good morning, David. Good morning, Lewis. How are you doing this doing morning? Doing great, sir. Look, I'd like to give you my specific situation and okay. ask you a general question sure. for the audience. Sure. My mid-80-year-old mother's got a 2007 Corolla. Okay. She's only got 42,000 miles, okay. and somebody a couple of weeks told her it looked like the, she brought it in for a recall. Mm -hmm. They replaced something in the computer system, they, and they did an inspection and said her serpentine belt looked like it was cracked and needed replacing. Okay. I asked my mother, mother, how many miles you have? She said 42,000. Right. I said, no way. Well, so David, When no. I looked at it myself. See, Lewis, David, you can't go by the miles. You have to go by the years on that. Because okay. rubber is going to break down over time. It doesn't care if it's going round or sitting still. Well, and to tell the truth, mm -hmm. the serpentine belt is starting to crack. So yes. can you give to myself and the audience just general guidelines? Yes, sir. As far as that's Six years is about the life of any piece of rubber. Uh-huh. So we get real caught up trying to look at mileage for some reason. And mileage is a factor on some things, David. For instance, a spark plug. Mileage is 100% the determining factor because it doesn't matter if it's 35 years old. If it's only fired so many times, it's not going to be worn out. But on other things like rubber or fluids, time is much more critical than miles. Because a belt, if you took it and you put it on a shelf for six years, it's going to dry rot. Uh -huh. It doesn't care if it's sitting on that engine going around or just sitting there. So the time is a factor there. 
And on almost everything, if you go on the AGCO website and click on maintenance, it's going to give you recommendations on just about anything on a car. And it's going to give you a time reference and a mileage reference. And it'll also uh -huh. explain to you which is more important. Uh-huh. See, so you take, for instance, brake fluid is another one, or antifreeze is another one. The miles don't mean anything. If I drove a car 150,000 miles in one year, that antifreeze would look like brand new. However, if I had 10,000 miles on a car and it was 10 years old, it'd be so corroded it'd be eating the system alive. Because uh -huh. it's a chemical reaction, it takes time to occur. Uh -huh. So you have to watch both. And like I said, the best thing I can tell you is to go to the AGCO site, click on maintenance, and it's going to have recommendations based on both time and mileage. And it will also tell you which is more important on that particular item. Well, look, I appreciate it so much. And I'll tell you what, you can, you can expect to call from us next week to set up an appointment and take a look at that, all right? Okay, Dave. That'd be great. We thank appreciate you, well, sir. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Have You're a welcome. nice weekend. Thank you, you sir. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Thomas on the line. Good morning, Thomas. Morning, Lewis. How y'all doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a, what I, I think is going to be a fairly simple question. Okay. I'm looking at a Toyota Tundra pickup. Uh -huh. Yes, sir. It's four-door. Mm-hmm. It's, four, is it a 4.7, 4.8 liter V8, I believe? 4.7. 4.7 or 5.7, yes, sir. Okay, 4.7. Mm -hmm. Only has 20,000, 22,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. What do you know about 07 Tundras? They got any spe specific problems I don't look at, or do I not real big. let y'all run through it, or what? Yeah, nothing real big, Thomas. I would bring it in and at least have a check done on it, simply because no matter how good a vehicle is, let's say this particular one has been wrecked and patched back together in somebody's backyard. Well, and obviously right. you don't want it, or it's been flooded. So these are the kind of things you need to check for. As a general rule, that's a pretty good vehicle. Few oxygen sensor problems we've seen on them, but that's normally up around eighty to 100,000 miles, which you can kind of expect an oxygen sensor to go out anyway. But, yeah, 4.7 is a good little engine. been around many, many years. Really don't have any big issues. Out of it. it does have a timing belt on that engine, so you might want to factor that in. When you get around 7 years or 90,000 miles, you have to replace timing belt, which is kind of a pretty big expense. So you might want to factor that in there when you buy it you know, into your cost. But really a pretty good vehicle. I'm, I'm pretty happy with those trucks. Okay, I was just curious. I've got what well, looks like a pretty good deal on it. Mm -hmm. the, the mileage is so low is actually belonged to a young man that did three tours in Iraq, and it's sad okay. here. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. have it on the weekends. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. You know, just to keep it running. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. All right, well, look, I'm, you're probably going to see me next week. I'm uh, a, if I brought it by, does I mean, is that, do I need an appointment to get to get y'all to take a look at it? It's always best to make an appointment, Thomas. If you drop in, we always accept drop-ins, but we got to put them in the next available spot, and that can be a couple of days sometimes. So if, if you're not in a hurry to get it back, you can drop it anytime. If you want it back the same day, best call Lane and make an appointment. I'll do it. Call you much. All right, man. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. William and Marlon, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean, vehicle. 
uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us calls? And we're going right straight back to our phone line. Marlon's been patiently holding. Good morning, Marlon. Good morning. Yes, Good sir. morning. I got a couple of questions, if sure. you don't mind. You bet. Go ahead. One of them, my employee has a 2002 Dodge Ram. Yes, sir. And with a 4.7. Mm-hmm. And we think he's blowing a head gasket. Okay. Got real hot. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So we've been looking for just long block engines yes, everywhere, sir. and we've had all kinds of problems trying to find a long block. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. What does it cost? Is it better for us to try to get the engine he has re- repaired? Or William, you gonna, Marlon, you have a hard time finding anyone who can do a quality job on that locally, in my opinion, just because the machine shops that do the work are almost non-existent these days. What we have been doing on the GM and Ford, General Motors and Ford both sell a pretty decent remanufactured engine that we buy from them. If not, you may try to find a late model used motor with lower miles. At least that way you know you got a good Chrysler built engine that's going to be relatively good. I mean, as long as it hadn't been overheated or or anything like that. And generally they do come with a warranty. We do that for folks a lot either i can locate a used engine or they can go on the internet find an engine have it shipped to me and we can put it in for them so we've had pretty good luck with that i mean like any used product occasionally you may get a bad one but as long as you're dealing with reputable people and you're getting a fairly late model motor just call around and say look i'm looking for a motor with 40 50 000 miles on it and in my opinion, that's better than anything you're going to have rebuilt locally. A lot of those people actually have a web of a service that they check. You know, you call one place and right. they look, they don't have it, but he says, I can locate you one. Right. He can and he may one. locate one in Texas somewhere. Right. right. You yeah. know about what those engines cost? Man, all over the board. It depends. An engine's cost depends, number one, on the amount of miles that are on it, and number two, or possibly number one, how popular the engine is, because certain engines are extremely plentiful. And they have almost no value. Other engines are pretty rare, and the cost is real high. So you just have to call several of them and see. I, I just don't know. Yeah, it's like the 4.7. We just can't seem to find one, that, you know, anywhere. It's, it's some like engines are rare. Hard. Some yeah. engines are hard to find, and if so, the price is going to be high. And in some engines not. Now, you can call Chrysler. Chrysler does sell a long block, but in my opinion, they're not real competitive. They're pretty expensive on their stuff. GM and Ford's got a pretty good deal on that. They generally make you a decent price, but Chrysler kind of tears your head off on it. All right. The other question is, I got a weird one. We have a 2000 Camry mm-hmm. wagon. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. A wagon with a six-cylinder in it. Okay. Whenever we turn the ignition key off, mm-hmm. it'll run the battery down. Yeah. I just Whenever sit- we hold the little the little black button on the top mm-hmm. of the uh, steering column, Okay. and then we turn the key off, mm-hmm. It doesn't run the battery down. So is that a momentary switch that I can just tie to the No, sir. No, sir. All that is a mechanical switch that's moving something in there. Most likely what you've got, either the lock cylinder or the ignition switch is not, it's got slack in it and it's just not turning completely off and it's leaving something energized. What happens, so you've got probably 20 circuits in that ignition switch. And if, say, the lock cylinder's got a little slack and it turns 19 of them off, but one stays on and that circuit is not anything that shows up. For instance, let's say it's powering the PCM or something like that. You're not going to see it, but it's going to run your battery down. When you're pushing that little button, all you do is you're moving something inside of there mechanically that's just causing it to go all the way over. Okay, can I can I tape it down? 
So it's just down all the time. I doubt that will work because I think it's the think motion it's, or the movement of it that's right, causing. It's, it's got to move to toggle yeah, the to toggle whatever's moving in right. there. I think that's probably a short term fix at best. Yeah. What I would do is just get it diagnosed and then repair it because it's going to eventually it's going to keep doing it even if you do push that button. It's just you, know, you got loose parts that are not working right and you're just jiggling something around and it just happens to, to work. But sooner or later it's going to leave you stranded. Yeah, every time we push the little button and turn the key off, mm-hmm. the battery doesn't go down. Yeah, it's just jiggling something around right. inside that switch in there. But I'll, I'll just go ahead and get it diagnosed and fixed. It's probably not going to be that big of a deal. Okay. All righty. All right. Thank you, guys. Yes, All sir. Right. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. All right. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we've got William online. Good morning, William. Uh, yes, sir. I'm back. If you can hold on to me. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm sure you all have experiences dealing with this. I have a trouble code that will not go off. I cannot keep it off. It's on a 96 Oldsmobile Cutlass mm-hmm. with a 3.1. Okay. And it's that 1374 crank sensor code. Okay. And it says it's that three times reference. Yeah, three, three X reference. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. But I don't, I've changed the, the sensor before. Mm-hmm. And well, see, the getting, code doesn't say the sensor's bad, William. You're making the biggest mistake you can make, and that's trying to take a code literally. It's saying that it does not get a signal that it recognizes. Now, it's trying to sync that to the cam sensor. It's also dependent on all the wiring in between and the PCM to read and interpret the signal, as well as about 200 other things. So yes, sir. you can't well, go like in and change say, the sensor. The, I'm sorry? You, just, you can't go in and just change the sensor and say that's going to fix it. You're not fixing the problem. That's why the code's still there. Yes, yeah, sir. Well, I mean, I've been I've been looking at the the ICM too because I still have a I don't think it's a misfire because all my well, all that's my, not a misfire. That's not a misfire. That's not a misfire code. That's a crank sensor three X signal code. I'm trying to tell you, there's about two hundred things that can set that code. It's not just the and sensor. You changing parts, hoping to fix it, you're gonna run out of money way before you run out of guesses. That's why the you're, lights you're still on. You have to get that somebody knows what to do and, and let them check and tell you what it is, even if you want to fix it yourself. Back to the phone lines. We've got Brian online. Good morning. Uh, Dean, I'm sorry. Good morning, Dean. Yes, how you doing? Great. I have a problem with, I have a F-350. It's okay. 2001, mm-hmm. and it's diesel, of course. But whenever I accelerate, mm-hmm. sometimes the acceleration's cutting out on me. And I'm not sure what that problem, you know, what would be causing that. It seems like after you run the, the vehicle, six, and it is... Is it a 6-liter, uh, Dean, or 7-3? It's a 7-3. Okay. Better after it warms up? Yes, sir. That's what I was about to tell you. It's better yeah, after it warms yeah. up. That's normally going to be a fuel pressure-related type of a problem, Dean. couple of things. You know, the best possible thing, of course, would be a plugged-up fuel filter. And I would certainly change that unless it's been just changed. Make sure there's no water or anything in it. That would be the easiest thing. Okay. The next thing up from that would be like the lift pump is not producing enough pressure uh, to feed the injector pump. That would cause that. The worst thing would be the injectors themselves are going out. And, of course, that's a real, real big deal. But there's te- test methods that you can use to test each one of those and isolate which one it is. But all of those and probably a half a dozen other things can cause that issue. Most time with a diesel, when you got a problem, it's going to be bad when it's cold. When it warms up, it's going to kind of overcome it. Yes, sir. But uh, certainly change your fuel filter if you hadn't done it recently and just see what that does. It may not fix it, but it ain't going to hurt anything regardless. If that doesn't do it, you know, get it in. I get Justin to do a fuel pressure test on it and tell you about the lift pump or the injectors and all that. Okay. All righty. All right. Well, I sure appreciate it. All Thanks. right, Dean. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive, I, we would love to have you. See, we need to take another quick little break. Frank, if you can hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. 
we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Welcome back. If you just join us, it's the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? We'll get you right up to the top of the list, and yes. we'll get you an answer back. I've only done this 20 years. I was going to say, I, I don't know. I haven't really figured out where all these buttons do yet. <laughs> <laughs> we got Frank online. Good morning, Frank. Hey, how y'all doing? Yeah, doing great, sir. Good morning. Hey. You're talking to a guy that doesn't know anything about cars. So then, you, I, then you're in a better position say. than most. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I got a truck that I wound up keeping. It's a 2002. Got 280,000 miles on okay. it. Never had no major trouble with okay. it. Okay. I want to try it now. I, it's almost like a game to see yeah. how far I can get well, it right. to go to. What kind of truck is it, Frank? A Ford F-150 with okay. a little six-cylinder. I, I was fixed to say it has to be a six-cylinder. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. a V-8 would not have made it that far at all, man. But, yeah, those little six-cylinder trucks are good, man. Josh at the shop had one put 325000 on his. Yep. Well, I'm, I just want to say, I mean, it looks so good still. I, I hate mm -hmm. to get rid of it, but I've never kept one this long. But Yeah. But I'm wondering, last it hadn't had a tune-up in a while, a good while. Last one cost me about what nine hundred, a thousand dollars a month. Well, it's probably more than tune-up involved there, but yeah. Well, your major you can definitely spend that. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. You can spend more that much, pretty easy. And anyway, I kind of hate to put so much money and then it something go out major. Yeah. Well, Frank, what I would do if I were you is bring it in. Let's do a general inspection of the whole vehicle. And uh -huh. what I can do, I can say, okay. Frank, the air conditioner's fixing to go out, and the transmission's making some funny noise, and this is doing this. In which case, you say, hey, I'm going to take a, I'm just going to bail. I'm going to run it until it drops, and I'm going to bail. Or I might say, hey, this thing's in pretty good shape. It needs this, 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 this to put probably another three years out of it. Kind of like I had a guy come in the shop the other day with a Suburban. He had a 2005 Suburban, 100,000 miles on it. And he says, what's it going to cost me to get another 100,000 miles? I said, well, it depends on how much care you took in the first 100,000 miles. So anyway, you know, finally I said, well, you're probably going to spend five to $6,000 over the next 100,000 miles. He's like, wow, that's a lot. I said, okay, well, let's think about it. How much you pay for it new? He said, 45000 I said, what's it worth right now? I said, 5000 Okay, well, you went $40,000 to go to the first 100,000 miles. For five, you can go another 100000 But nobody rides free. Right. You're going to have repair or you're going to have maintenance. It's just a whole lot cheaper to repair them. This little truck here, the way I do it, Frank, I've got an article on my website, Should I Buy or Repair? And you might read that article because it gives you some formulas and all that kind of stuff. But what I figure is the cheapest note that I could ever hope to get would be $200 a month. I mean, what am I going to drive for $200 a month? Right. Absolutely nothing. So let's say I'm looking at spending 1000 bucks. Okay, can I reasonably assume I can drive another five months without doing anything at all? If the answer is yes, this is a pretty good deal because I'm still in my budget. If the answer is no, then it's time to bail. 
Yeah. Now, if I can go another year, then that's even better. See, my, my cost situation, is lower. I got, I got a, you know, I got a car fairly new, and I'm not putting no miles. I try to put everything on that truck right yes, now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I might it just depends. That. A lot, a lot has to do too with you like it or not. Meets your needs, you like it. You know, if I didn't like a vehicle, I wouldn't put a nickel into it, no matter what. Uh-huh. I, I'd bail on it. But if I liked it and did what I wanted to do, then I wouldn't have a problem. I don't really look at how old it is, how many miles. I look at how much further can I go, and what's it going to cost me to do it. Right. I'm cheap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, pretty go ahead and give us a call. Got our lines wide open. Be glad to try to get you right up to the top of the list. That's a question that we get an awful lot. It is. Because with the price of vehicles nowadays, I mean, a cheap car now is $20,000 to $25,000. And you say cheap car. Yeah. I didn't think there was any cheap cars. Well, that's a relative <laughs> term, I guess. When you compare it to the thirty-five dollars to $50,000 for the average car. Oh, I know. That's ridiculous. I had a lady come by the other day. She's buying a Tahoe, and it was three years old. Tahoe, or Yukon XL, one or the other. Anyway, she was paying $40,000 for a three-year-old one. Wow. I'm like, wow, how much are they new? She says almost fifty-five. I said, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah, so, I mean, cars Man. are very, very, very expensive, and they lose their value very, very, very quick. They do. I remember one guy told me one time, he says, everybody drives a used car. Yeah. I don't care if you standing at the factory gate when it came out, the second <laughs> you drove off is a used car. That's right. <laughs> so everybody's driving a used car. Yeah. Once you get over the, the prestige or the pride or whatever it is of owning a new one, and I understand that, and hey, God bless you, if you want a new car, by all means, get your new car. Life's yeah. too short not to have what you want. That's right. And that's what I always say. The only reason to buy a new car is because you just want one. And you don't have to justify that to anybody. That's just right. Just go buy your new car. You want it. But if you're thinking economically, you're not ever going to be able to justify the cost of that new car. No, no, not at all. Because by the time you get financing on it, you strung right. out six years on it, you're paying more in the end than you started oh, to yeah. pay at the beginning. Oh, probably paying three times what you... Plus, on the thing. plus the maintenance and anything that breaks after the, the 336 where, you know, is gone. Yeah, and that's the thing with these newer cars. Man, the cost of maintaining them. Ooh, it's gotten out. 20-inch tires on these things. Well, you're talking 1,200 bucks to put a set of tires on the car. Oh, yeah. And all these little modules that are 500 bucks a piece, and they go out and all the lights pop on all of your dash. Well, man, can't you disconnect that? Oh, no. Nope. You don't uh-uh. understand. <laughs> <laughs> nope. This is built into the system. You can't disconnect. This is the way it is. You know? That's right. Oh, my God. Well, that's the car you bought. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, most people don't realize the technology they're buying until it starts breaking. Well, that's right. Well, it's very, very cool when you're down at the dealership looking at it and everything's working. Man, oh, yeah. The, the salesman's standing over your oh, shoulder. Oh, yeah. look what this does. Oh, look what that does. He's smiling. Watch you know? this. Got his white shoes on and yeah. pearly white teeth. You know, he's smiling at you. you know, it makes you feel good. But, yeah, all that stuff is going to break one day. And when that's it right. breaks, boy, what's the cost? What exactly. is the cost down the road of, of fixing and, this stuff? And you don't find out until it breaks. Well, that's right. By the time you find out, it's too late to do anything Exactly. About it, so. Let's go back to our phone lines with Drew. Good morning, Drew. Hey, Lewis. I got a 97 Venture, and I'm sure you've answered this question many times before, okay. but I got an AC problem. I mean, it blows cool and everything, but the air comes out, the defrost, the yes, vents, sir. and the floor, and the control does nothing to alter it either way, you know. Mm-hmm. Drew, that's going to be one of two things. I'd have to test to tell you which one it is, but there are, is a what they call a mode door actuator, which is just a little stepper motor up under the dash. The mode door actuator turns and it moves a door which ducks that air up, down, and all around. Now, the actuator itself could be bad. The door itself could have broken loose from the actuator because it's all plastic. Or possibly the control head that actuates the actuator. 
That's a uh, contradiction term say, there. <laughs> you remember the good old days when there was a little cable, you pushed the lever and yeah, you moved like the door? Yeah, a $3 cable that lasted yeah. the life of the car. You yeah. know, that wasn't good I enough. got a 40-year-old car house, still yeah, got the original cables works. on it. That's right. You know? But it's going to be one of those three, Drew. What you got to have is a scan tool with bi-directional communication capability. We use a Tech 2 on GM, and that can go in. You can read the pulse from the control head. You can see if the motor's receiving it or not, and then you can physically inspect it. But nothing that can't be fixed. But normally, I guess the actuator is probably the cheapest thing. The part's not that bad, but sometimes you got to take about half or all the dash out to get to it. The control head is no labor. It's, it's easy to change, but it's an expensive part. And then if the little door is broken inside the dash, that's pretty big, too. You so to it's really something you don't want to go throwing parts at. Right. To fix. You're going to have to get it diagnosed and then repaired if it bothers you. Now, you can continue to use it as it is as long as it's cooling the vehicle, but most time it doesn't cool the vehicle very well. Okay. I sure appreciate it. All right, Drew. All right, sir. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. Hi. Right, you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And also, if you've got a cell phone, it's free call from anywhere. Any cell phone? That's right, any cell phone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Not anywhere, but yeah, pop on there and give us a call. We're glad to put you up at the top of the list and get your questions answered. Just in case you don't get a chance to call in, don't care to call in, something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered at our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. Easy way to remember that's Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night and get it back within 24 hours as long as you use the form on the website. And there's also several other databases you can search there on the site. There's the vehicle question, which is kind of a short to the point answer to a particular question. There's also the AGCO questions. The AGCO questions. Well, that's true. I forgot about you that. You forgot about those, I didn't sure you? I did. Timo <laughs> <laughs> Those are questions pertaining to AGCO, like what credit cards you take, what are your hours, mm -hmm. why do you take appointments, things that pertain directly to AGCO. Yeah, why don't you quote prices on the phone? Right. That's the big one. Yeah. Well, a lot of yeah. people don't understand. And you know, I, I walk through the office to get parts or something, and, uh -huh. and I... Every just about every time I come through there, Miss Elaine's on the phone. Mm -hmm. Or oh, I can't quote your price on the phone. We oh, haven't we looked at the car. Right. We don't know what's wrong with right. it. Right, and you of course are. Well, give me a guess. Well, we don't give guesstimates. Yeah. We give exact quotes to what is going to fix the car right the first time. Because exactly. that's our entire stock and that's trade. That's the way is, we operate. Yeah, we're going to fix your car right the first time for the exact amount we tell you, and it's going to be ready when we tell you it is. But that's the way right. we do that is by knowing what's wrong with the car before we start guessing and joking and carrying on. Correct. And that is a large, large part of what's wrong with the automotive business is that people call around and they start quoting prices on stuff. And nobody knows what's wrong with the car. And it ends up costing 10 times that much. Exactly. Well, you hadn't done the customer any good at all. Now he feels like he's been ripped off, and rightly so. Instead of just being strong enough to say, I'm sorry, man, we don't know what's wrong with your car. We're going to have to get it checked and see. Now, once we check it, we'll give you an exact price. Right. None of this guessing and estimating and stuff. We're going to give you an exact price of what it is. But that's what most shops don't have the gumption to do. They really Correct. Jive you in there with, Get low, you in there with price, a low price, tear your car down, and then call you back and give you a real, yeah. real Mo bill. Most of the time, when you go in for a low price, it's going to cost you more than you get called oh, yeah. on the phone. Absolutely, boys. It's kind of like the word free. Anytime you hear the word free, you better run. run. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's free. Yeah, run with both feet, boy. Let's go back to our phone lines. We've got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. Sir, I have a quick question. Hopefully, I've got a uh, 2001 Jeep Grand Cherokee, uh -huh. and I'm getting water on the yeah, right passenger side. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh -huh. very common. I've checked the AC drain to yeah. make sure it's draining good. Yeah, not yet. And I checked the, where the grommet goes through there, and it's eh. good. Eh. <laughs> and then I checked the weather strip. I checked the weather strip, eh. and all the way around it, still no problem. Yep. I think I know what it is already. Great. <laughs> yeah, where the case seals to the firewall on that one, Jim. Chrysler, in their infinite wisdom, instead of using a four-sided case like a box, 
they used a three-sided case and they glued it to the firewall. Used How about that? The side huh? of the firewall is the fourth side of the case. Save okay. two cents of plastic. Right. And what happens is that those seals in time deteriorate and the water runs between the seal and the floor. It runs there first before it gets to the drain. Right. Because okay. the drain is a little bit higher up, so right. it just drips right there on your floor. Kind of a major, major deal to fix, unfortunately. you got to pull the dash out. Pull the case out and reseal it to the firewall. Pull it down to the firewall. Right. I got you. And I've seen people try to put silicone and everything under the sun around it, yeah, trying it, to seal it from the outside. It's not not going to do any good. So I should be able to see it then come down. Probably the... can if you turn your AC on high and you get up on it on your back and you get a flashlight and pull, pull the, the carpet, carpet out and, and the pad and see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've pulled the carpet out just to dry it out and uh, it seems like it comes back. So. Well, I tell you, when you find out what it costs to fix, you might just leave the carpet out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just drilling. A hole in the floor. Go get some of your wife's good t- bath towels and lay down there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought maybe I thought maybe it could be the sunroof uh, tubes not. leaking through. Well, I tell you, you know how you can tell, Jim, if you can just turn the AC off for uh, two or three days when it's not too too hot outside, right? And just see if it dries up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, the same thing with the sunroof. It's only going to be there when it rains. Right. Or when nice, pretty day wet. like today, usually AC, and if it still gets wet, then you know it ain't any of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll give it a try. Okay, Thanks, Jim. guys. Thank All you. right, sir. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we got to take one last final little break. Cyril and Daryl, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Madame Babushka, you can tell if my brand new bow and mirror are a good match? Yes. As I gaze into my crystal ball, I see him over a grill. And now he's on a couch watching football, eating a large plate of meat. Meat? Yes, no veggies. Now I see him on a boat, fishing, and then on a deer stand. Fishing and hunting? Yes, I'm afraid so. Wouldn't it be great if you could look into your car's future to see the road ahead? At Agco, you can. Take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. It's the best way to catch any potential problems that could lead to bigger repairs down the road. Ah, it looks like all this man wants to do is watch sports, hunt, fish, and grill. Oh, Madame Babushka, I love all those things. He sounds perfect. Thank you so much. Huh, c'est la vie. My work here is done. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll answer just about any question you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And we got Daryl online. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning, Mr. Alvesan. How you doing today? Doing great, sir. Good. I've got a 2002 Chevy Silverado 1500 okay. HD. Yes, sir. And my little message center is showing me a little battery light. Okay. And it looks like my voltmeter is running a little low. Would that be the alternator or is there something? It could be, Daryl, and that is probably one of the better guesses. However, what you got to be a little bit careful on that one, that is a computer-controlled alternator on there. And you might notice over by the battery, it's got the little red thing in the cable. That's a sensor that actually senses battery voltage and has six different charging strategies it uses depending on a whole bunch of other stuff. It could be that little sensor going out. It could be a cable that's loose. It could even be the computer itself, or it could be the alternator. So Unfortunately, just, yeah, it takes some pretty sophisticated stuff even to test it. Now, okay. when you go down and price that alternator, you're going to see the wisdom of testing it. Because <laughs> those well, little puppies that, are about 400 bucks. 
Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I usually bring it to y'all to get it worked on. Mm-hmm. I'll yep. try and get in there Monday yeah. and make an appointment. It'd be the best bet because the tails alternators are pretty expensive. It's not like the old days where you get $89 rebuilt from the parts store and it'll work. Yeah. You want to make sure that's what it is. And, and it could be the little sensor on there. Right. It could be, we see an equal number of all that stuff. Okay, great. All righty. I will call y'all Monday morning. All right, Dale. Thank you, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going back to our phone lines with Cyrus. Good morning, Cyrus. Hey, yeah, good morning, fellas. This good is morning. Cyrus. Oh, I'm Listen. sorry. Oh, okay. Listen, I got a uh, 2001 Chevy Tahoe, okay. and my ABS light has seemed to continue to stay on when yes, I'm driving it, yes, along with the brake light. Yes, okay. sir. Does, do you have a little buzzing noise under it that stays on when you turn the key off? No. Not yet? Not yet. Not <laughs> you yet, will. No. Yeah. You will. What's going to happen eventually? You're going to turn the key off and it's going to go, and you can't get it to stop without disconnecting the battery. Cyrus, almost all the time, and I might preface that with almost, the ABS control module goes out on those vehicles. It's real, real common failure. Now, technically, there are several other things that can cause the issue. But that's the number one by a pretty wide margin. Well, it's common enough that we keep two pieces in stock. We keep two of them on the shelf all the time. For the two different controls. Now, if you go to GM and price that thing, you're going to have a heart attack because it is obscenely expensive. I'm talking $1,100, $1,200 for the part. Now, fortunately, we've got a rebuilt ones that we sell that we've had great luck with. I've never had a failure on any of them. They're like in the $250 range, so way, way less. What we would do is go in, diagnose the problem, make sure that's it, because a wheel speed sensor can cause that. Correct. And a few other things can what cause it. 200 things that turn ABS light on? Yeah, there is. But I can tell you, almost every time it's that ABS control module, they go out a lot. Okay, okay, okay. And you and guys will. We will keep it in stock. We test it. I can tell you what it is. We got the parts in stock and in and out in about two or three hours. Yeah, a couple hours turned around. Yeah. Okay, all right. I'll be down here Monday morning. Okay, sir. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive, I we still got some time. We got to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. We got about eight minutes. So uh, right. if you need a question answered, now's the time to do it. <laughs> That's right. You got a whole week to wait. Get us back on there. That, yeah. And if you can't wait that long, you can always right. go to the website and well, yeah. fill out a form and send your question to Lewis, sure. and he'll answer it for you and get yeah. it back to you. Don't mind that at all. In fact, that's where I get most of the ideas from that's on the website. Had a fellow that emailed me today from Washington State who's got some brakes that are locking up on his car. Uh-huh. And apparently he's got it at the wrong shop because he gave me a list of the parts they had changed. And oh. you know as well as I do, that is relatively easy to diagnose. It really is because the tests you can do to diagnose that problem are definitive tests. If mm-hmm. this doesn't happen when this happens, right. then this part is not bad. That's right. So it's just a matter of finding the bad part. That's right. It's not rocket science. So if you got somebody who's not being able to find that, first advice to get another shop. Correct. But I gave him a few pointers and some things to check. I'm sure he'll be able to find that problem. I see all our lines are lit up again. We're going back to the line with David. Good morning, David. Good morning. How yes, are you sir. gentlemen doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Got a question on a Dodge. Okay. 2009 four-wheel drive. Okay. Five-point gas. Uh-huh. The driver's side has a tapping point in the engine. Okay. Uh, it's a light tap. Uh huh. Does that sound like it may be the choice of oil or the grade of oil no, I used on no, the lab? Because it wouldn't be one side. It, it would be common ticket, to the whole engine. Yeah, it'd be common to all of them because they all got the same oil in them. David, I'm going to tell you, and you may not believe this, but one of the most common things we see on that particular engine with that particular noise is not actually a valve at all, although it sounds exactly like it. It's an exhaust leak. What they'll do is they'll get a little leak at one of the exhaust ports, and every time that cylinder fires, it goes tick, 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 tick. 
and normally it will be worse when it is cold and better when it gets hot. But it will right. really, it'll really fool you. I mean, it sounds just like a valve lifter. I see people pull the intake and change lifters out with that noise, and you'll finally bring it to us, and we find it's something else. Chevrolet actually had a bolt that would break off. Is the one right. all the way in the back, up next to the firewall? The yeah, head on, would on break the left off. Hand side. <laughs> the head would break off, and the manifold would get just loose enough to lose right. compression there. What you can do, David, get a piece of hose, like a garden hose or a heater hose or something, and use it like a stethoscope. Put one ear to your ear and the other one go down around there, and you'll hear it when you get close to it if that's what it is. Now, if it is a lifter, it's probably just a lifter that's got some crud stuck in it or whatever. Certainly, it's okay. never a good idea to put the wrong oil in them, but I don't think it would affect only one lifter. It would affect all of them equally. And if it, if it is internal, you mm -hmm. should still be under your warranty, unless you're out yeah. by mileage. No, I've got, uh, I've got a good warranty on it. Okay. okay. Well, good. What you should I was just be taking making sure it wasn't the great oil that I had used. I don't think so, and and I don't know what does that one call for five W twenty. Yeah, yeah, I'd be using five W twenty in it for sure. But and stay uh, with the same brand, right? Alrighty, alrighty, we're gonna go back to our phone line. Let's see, we have got Jeremy's been holding longest. Good morning, hey, Jeremy. Good morning, gentlemen. What's I up? have a two thousand three Chevy Tahoe. Okay. And the speedometer and the RPM yeah. meter do not work anymore. Yes, right. yes. pretty common. Very common. How many miles you got, Jeremy? More than 70? 163,000. Okay. Wow. Yeah. They're under recall for that problem, but only up to 70,000 miles. Now, if you go back to a Chevrolet dealer, they're going to put a new instrument cluster in there. It's going to cost you about 800 bucks. That's now, what I figured. Well, you can take it to Agco, and we can rebuild it right in-house. I got a guy who takes it down, changes all the stepper motors and all the light bulbs in it. It costs you about $300, and it's a much, much better part than what you had originally. And you're not having right. any more trouble with it. But, yeah, very common. There's little stepper motors that go out. It's got either six or seven stepper motors, depending on if you've got a transmission gauge or not, and there's 11 little light bulbs in there. We change all of them whenever we rebuild it. But uh, we can rebuild. It takes two or three hours in the shop. All right. I guess I'll call and make an appointment. That'd Thank be you, great. Gentlemen. All right, Appreciate sir. it. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, I think we can catch another call Sweet here. Morning. We got Dan online. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good sir. morning. Enjoy your show. I've got Thank a uh, 04 LeSabre with 187,000 miles. Okay. Really, really had no trouble. Got new struts on it. Drives mm -hmm. great. Yes, sir. 26, 28 miles a gallon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. My air com compressor's going out on okay. air. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to decide whether it's worth fixing, and uh, if so, is it just changing the compressor or no, is there a lot more to no, it? No, Dan, that is very, very difficult to get fixed. The reason being, when the compressor starts going out, it slings metal throughout that entire air conditioning system. It's a fine powdered metal, and it goes everywhere. It's all inside the condenser. It's all inside the lines. It's in the evaporator. It's in the accumulator. It's in the orifice tube. If one fleck of that metal does not get cleaned out of there, when you put the new compressor, it's going right back through there, and you're going to be back again. Uh -huh. So it's one of those deals you just got to decide if you want to fix it or not. It's going to be expensive. It can be fixed, but it's got to be done right the first time. Because let's say you say, well, I'm going to try something. I'm going to go out to a parts store and buy a rebuilt compressor and stick it on there. Well, now, when it goes out in about three months, it's got three times as much metal in it. So now it gets to a point you just can't fix it anymore. So right. I think what I would do, Dan, is just decide if you want it fixed or not. If, if you say, hey, it's a great car. I mean, to be a 2004 and have that many miles, you have to bend a lot of highway miles on it. You bet. So you bet. it's probably still in pretty good shape. What I recommend to folks before you make a major decision like that is bring it in. Let's do a general inspection on the car. I can run a general inspection. I can say, hey, Dan, you, the... And you got a, a transmission fixing to go out here, too. Well, now, that just made your mind up for you. Mm -hmm. Or we could check the car and say, well, the rest of the car is real healthy, you know, so this would be this much to fix the AC. But 
it's got to be done right the first time, and the right fix is going to be to change the condenser, change the compressor, change the accumulator, change the orifice tube, and flush the bejeebers out of everything in there. Mm-hmm. So, what, that, what are you looking at round numbers on man, something? Man, like? it gets up there pretty pretty expensive, 1500 or more. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But anything less than that, you not only wasting your time and money, but you fix it to where it can't be fixed. Gotcha. I know we get them in all the time. i yep. got to tell people, hey, it's never not economically feasible to repair. You know, told me to, so something told me to call you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, lot. Dan. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Mm, bye-bye. bye-bye. I see. We got time to catch one more call. You think? Yeah. Make it quick. Why not? We got one Bill Line. Good morning, Bill. Hey, how's it going? Doing Good great, morning. sir. Okay, I, I bought a 06 Ford F one fifty U. Okay. And come to find out down the road, and while talking to the guy, that he wasn't using the right oil in it. Yes, sir. Very common for him to put the wrong oil in it. Right. Now I got this clucking sound. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty bad clucking because normally one of two things calls that. Either the timing chain guide is broke in it, which is major, or the camshaft wore out, which is major. I got articles on both those topics on my website. tells you all about it, how they work and all that. It's too little too late now. You just got to decide, Bill, if you want to fix it or not. If you do, I mean, it can be fixed. Putting the right all in it now is like locking the gate after the horse is out. I understand. 5W20 synthetic blend is what goes in that engine. If you put anything else in there, you will have those kinds of problems most of the time. But nothing that can't be fixed is just kind of pricey. You know, if you're in the truck pretty decent and you like the truck, I mean, it's cheaper than buying another truck for sure. Okay. Around around about thousands. Yeah. Couple, two, three thousand. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I understand. All righty. Okay. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. Hey, we appreciate everybody listening this Harry Saturday morning Automotive Hour. Hey. <laughs> We'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, let's get some more people listening. That's right. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.